We're going to just flow right into communion right now, and, and um, y'all, y'all can be seated. This is just re- really, everything just flowing together. I just, just love the way the Spirit of God works. Okay, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to uh, continue to worship God by receiving communion today. And with all these reports about the coronavirus and it was one thing when it was in China, but now um, it's uh, and it's it's bad over there. We, you know, God loves everyone, not just people in the United States. And it was a bad thing when it was over there, but when it starts talking about coming over to the United States, then uh, the American people start to get nervous. And so, do you know the Bible covers the coronavirus? Do you know that the the Bible talks about the coronavirus? It, it covers that. And so as we uh, we receive communion today, um, I want to call your attention to Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And... Um, I tell you what, I constantly, in my prayer time, speak Psalm 91 over my life. And I encourage you to do the same. I'm not going to read it all, but I want to go to verse 3. And this has to do with us being covered. Under his wings we take refuge. We dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Verse 3 says, For... He will, say will, not might, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Would that qualify? Would the coronavirus qualify in that deadly pestilence? Okay. Now, look at verse 5. You shall not fear the terror of the night. See, we're not to be afraid. Previous verse says, under his wings you'll find refuge. You will not fear the terror terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor, watch this, the pestilence that stalks in darkness. What's that talking about? Pestilence that stalks, one translation says, walks in darkness. That's disease that's hidden, that they can't figure out. That coronavirus is walking in darkness. And thank God that we are not to be afraid, the Bible tells us, of the coronavirus that's walking in darkness. Nobody, when man can't seem to figure it out, God's got you covered. And you're protected from it. Why? Because you're in the secret place of the Most High. Verse 10, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your words. Man, I could teach on Psalm 91. When... Uh, Sometimes we just kind of read over some things, but um, when it says, 
that he gives his angels charge. That's like if, if, a, if a soldier was given charge over a prisoner. What does that mean? Come on, talk to me, y'all. Huh? He's supposed to protect, protect them, right? God has given his angels charge over you. Glory to God, man. That's good stuff. So let's receive communion with joy today. And let's eat of his, his partake of his health and his strength. Thank you, Lord. By his stripes. You were healed. Say, I will not be afraid. Of the terror by night. Nor the arrow that flies by day. I will not be afraid. Of the coronavirus. The stalking in darkness. Surely. God gives his angels charge over me. To keep me in all my ways. Under God's wings, I find refuge. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand. But it will not come near me. No evil will befall me. Nor will any plague nor come near my dwelling. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're covered by the blood. Let's just hold a cup up and just in, in honor of, of the Lord. We have been forgiven. Of all of our sins, past, present, and future. You stand today as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Glory to God. Amen. Shouting ground. Amen. Oh, no. I'm running out of tea. <laughs> it's cool. I got enough. I'm not going to drink, drink that much. All right. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, we got, have a few things to cover. There's something I, I forgot to mention to you. But um, let's, say, let's say this con confession right now. Hallelujah. Y'all ready for the word? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Y'all ready to confess some good stuff over you? Yes. Amen. You are as Jesus is. Okay. Let's, okay, let's read this confession. Ready? Read. I am greatly blessed, highly favored and deeply loved by you. I am the disciple who Jesus loves. I am my father's favorite child. I am the apple of his eye. I am well-pleasing in his sight. I receive the love that my father has for me. 
Everything I do and touch shall be blessed because I am the beloved. I am loved, righteous, blessed, prosperous, redeemed, forgiven, talented, creative, confident, secure, disciplined, focused, prepared, qualified, motivated, valuable, free, determined, equipped, empowered, anointed, accepted and approved, not average, not mediocre, holy, flawless without blemish, blameless, and free from accusation. I am a child of the Most High God. I will become all I was created to be in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I've, I've been going through some very intense uh, Well, let me, let, me, let, me, let me share this with you. Um, now that it's up on the screen, so y'all be focused on that and not listen to what I'm about to say. So let me, let me go ahead and uh, I'll switch to something else right now. So let, let me get to that second. So, yeah, just turn the computer off <laughs> something. I don't want them to see nothing up there. Amen. You got the logo, you can... Well, I dragged a logo in there or something, or switch to the song that we just sang or something. Amen. Something. Amen. People get distracted real easy. Of course not, y'all. It's just the person next to you. <laughs> I've been going through some intense, um, some intense training. Uh, this Bible software that I use is really powerful, and, and um, I went through. I spent probably. 25 to 30 hours this week just on that. Uh, but uh, the trainer, he was um, doing a search, just showing how the software can search the Bible. And we were looking, he was, he was searching for references about angels singing. And so he put in the search query, angels and sing, okay? And it'll catch anything, this, not just sing, when angels sing, angels singing, or they sang, or it'll match any form of that word sing, okay? So we do the search. And do you know how many, how many scriptures in the Bible that talks about angels singing? Zero. <laughs> do you realize, now this is not any, anything to to uh, start a church on, or <laughs> your salvation don't depend on it. But isn't it interesting? Well, no, no Pastor, the Bible says, hark the herald angels sing. <laughs> well, that's not in that's on a Christmas card, and, 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 uh, and, and I know we sing songs like that, but it, I never thought about that. So that just goes to show you that, that you can always learn something. Some of y'all still thinking about that. Angels, Pastor Angels sing? Now, if I'm in heaven and I see them singing, I mean, I'm not going to ask to leave. You, you, you follow me? I'm not saying they don't. I'm just telling you that there's no scripture in the Bible. Don't, don't, would you, would, how many of you would have thought that there was like at least one scripture? There's some scripture in the Bible because you can assume because you hark the herald angels sing. I mean, if somebody sings like an angel, it seems, seems like you, you, you would think, man, that okay, man, what do you mean angels don't sing? I don't know if they do or not. I mean, the Bible doesn't say they don't. 
Well, pastor, the Bible says that they praise God. But it didn't say they sang. <laughs> and we associate, um, now, singing is a part of praising. But sometimes we just assume because we have the, the praise service and the, or the worship service that, that, that it's always that worship and praise is always singing. It's not always singing. You praise God without singing, right? Okay. So, uh, so what, Pastor, what does that mean? Just something. <laughs> uh, but but, uh, but you, can, you can learn. Amen? Okay, now you can, you can throw that back up. Proclaim. All right. That's, and actually, while that's up there, um, the Bible program that I use is called Lagos, and I encourage all of you to get it. There's a free, uh, there's a free version of it. Okay, I, I've got it on steroids. I've got a, you know, because there's different levels of the program. I got a really um, uh, powerful uh, version. I've got like I think platinum level or whatever. So, but you can get a, a free version where you can search the Bible and and do a lot of cool stuff. Take notes, and that company has what they call, um, well. Lagos is a part of a company called Faith Life, and Faith Life has an app you can get on your app store, whether Android or Apple, and you can, you can grab the app, and um, you can actually, now I know you, you can see my notes on the Summit app, but you can also follow along, uh, get, grab the, the scriptures on that app. All you got to do is dial into the presentation, and I'll show you how to do that once I figure it out. I think you just have to search for the presentation. Because on if, if you tune in on Wednesday morning, by the way, it's commercial about Wednesday morning Bible class, um, we got uh, several of our Indianapolis folks are faithful to join in there. Let me, let me uh, shout out to uh, Norma Gilbert and um, Rhonda and Ray Turner. All right? And so uh, they they uh, faithfully tune in. So I uh, want to shout out to them. And so Wednesday morning, 7.37 a.m., okay? If I can get up, anybody can get up at that hour because I'm, I'm going to bed between 12 and 2 o'clock every night. And so uh, I try to get to bed at least by 12, you know, on that Tuesday night. So uh, we got some good stuff going on. But you can, you, you can use Faith Life to follow along because those scriptures that I covered there are not on the app, but you can, co you can follow along on faith life. Okay, so um, more about that later. You can uh, throw that um, diagram up. I meant to show that last week and I forgot. So um, let me go back to the presentation. There we go. Okay, so this is something that I, actually I was doing a Facebook um, live doing some announcements and this came to me. I didn't even plan on it. It's just something the Holy Spirit brought up and uh, showed me something that he showed me and I want to share with you. So here it is. Lean in, rest, and watch. Those three words are what he gave me. So lean in and that arrow pointing down to Jesus. Lean into Jesus, rest, and the arrow, the arrow under rest that points down to what? Finish work and then watch. Watch God move. The arrow pointing down to and move so so lean into Jesus <coughs> that's what you're doing right now hearing the word lean lean into Jesus 
Take time to hear the word. Listen to the word in your car. Leaning in, it has to do with like having quiet time with the Lord. Just lean into him. See Jesus. Lean into him. And then rest in his finished work. Everything you need and desire is finished. Your healing is finished. The finances that you need, your financial provision is finished. So don't try to work for it. Rest. Rest in his finished work. And then just watch it move. Don't try to make anything happen. Rest. If you catch yourself trying to make something happen, get back into rest. Because all of us get out of rest sometimes. Okay? So, uh, praise God. Now, um, what do I do after that? Just wait, watch. Let patience have its perfect work. Thank you, Lord. Watch him move. Even when it seems like he's not moving, he's moving. All right. Let's, um, I'm going to move into to something that will, uh, let me share, share something else with you before we get in, into the message today. I got just some appetizers, something else that I learned in my, in my Bible training. We actually, uh, the trainer went to the scripture in Luke chapter 22. You remember the passage where Jesus had told Peter, Satan has a desire to sift you like wheat? The disciples, every, not just Peter, but everybody was, all the disciples were present. If you can go to that next slide. I wonder if it will let me control this. I need to stay after school today and, and see if I can figure this out. I should be able to control these slides. And it's just stone in my shoe. I can get the presentation, but daggone it, it's not on me. Hmm. Okay, here it is. Simon, Simon. Now, how many of you know Peter denied the Lord three times? Now, Peter was a guy, he, he always bragged about his love for the Lord. Lord, Lord if, if everybody leaves you, I'm not going to leave you. Jesus like, dude, before the rooster crow, you're going to deny me three times. But I want you to know that, and right, right on the other hand, see, John referred to himself five times. And it's only, in, it's interesting, the, the humanity that comes out in the Gospels, through the Gospel writers. John mentions five times, it's mentioned five times in the Gospels, that John is the disciple that Jesus loves. And that's only in John's Gospel. <laughs> It's not that God loved John more than anybody else or any of the other the disciples. It's just that John understood the, the love that the Father had for him. And he, 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 he didn't do like Peter. Well, Lord, I, though, though everybody leave you, I'm not going to leave you. He never bragged on his love for the Lord. He bragged on God's love for him. I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. And even though Peter stumbled, even though Peter fell, John never fought. 
fell. He never faltered. Amen? So back to Peter. Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. But God never stopped believing in Peter. Even when you fall, he never stops believing in you. And after that rooster crowed the third time, the Bible says that Jesus looked at Peter. I used to think that that was a look of, I told you. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you you were going to mess up? No. That's the way I, I used to look at it before I understood God's grace. Then when I start reading the Bible with sunglasses, start reading the Bible cross-eyed through the lens of the cross and through the, through the lens of the finished work, I saw that that look was a look of love. Okay, now that sets us up for this. Now this is right before that Jesus was talking about the, uh, uh, before the rooster crowed and so forth. This is before the rooster crowed. And now imagine Jesus in the room with, or wherever he was, I don't know if he's in Rome or open place. He's with the other disciples and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Next verse. But I pray for you. Now, I want you to know that this word you, now we learned this in the training program when you looked at the underlying Greek word for the words you that we're going to focus on. One word, you. It's mentioned three different times. This time, the word you is singular. In any translation, translating from any language to another language, and the New Testament was translated from Greek to English, you always lose something in a translation. Let's go back to the previous verse. Okay, y'all need to be Bible students now. Okay, if I'm not careful, I can lose you. <laughs> we might have, you know, bodies in the aisles and stuff. But go back to the, to the previous verse. It's the back arrow. We'll get you there. Simon, Simon, I don't know, not too much. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like we. So those two, stay there. Those two underlying Greek words for you are plural. So what does that mean, Pastor? Here's what he's saying. Simon, Simon, in the presence of all the disciples, he turns to Simon, he says, Satan demanded to have y'all that he might sift y'all like wheat. But I prayed for you. Next verse. I prayed for you. That word is singular. Now, can you imagine being in that room and being John or Andrew and saying, why are you just praying for him? <laughs> he knew that Peter will fall. Satan desired to have all y'all sift y'all like wheat, but I prayed for you, Peter. Thank you, Lord. So that's a little appetizer. It doesn't have anything to do with the message, so all right, y'all bring the bodies up from the floor. Anybody sleep? Bill, you good? All right.
Bill's my barometer. <laughs> Bill's awake, man. We're good. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. I don't want to lose anybody. Okay. Here's something interesting. Uh, everything in the Bible is about Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Jesus told, said in the, in the Gospels that um, you search the scriptures, talk to religious folks, in them you think you have eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. And there's beautiful pictures in the, in the old covenant of Jesus. And it's um, in chapter 20 of Exodus, um, God talks about the, is, or Exodus chapter 20 is when God gave the Ten Commandments. And this is a picture, really, I, I don't believe that, that that's in the Bible by accident, that chapter 21 follows chapter 20. And in chapter 21, right after that the Ten Commandments were given, in chapter 21 is the law of the bondservant or the statute of the bondservant. And see, in a, a Hebrew slave, a Hebrew servant, uh, when he comes to his seventh year, he's a, now listen very carefully. This is an Old Testament picture of Jesus. So when a Hebrew servant has served for seven years, after the seventh year, when he comes to his seventh year, He's allowed to go free. But if he loves his master, if he loves his wife and his children, he can choose to remain as a bondservant. Okay? And then there's a ceremony that takes place if he chooses to stay. Because what? He loves his master, he loves his children, loves his wife. He can stay. Now, they have a ceremony where he gets pierced in his ear and he remains a servant forever. That is a picture of Jesus who came down from heaven, all right? He manifested in the flesh. He lived among us. He could have went back to heaven without us. But he went to the cross he was pierced on our behalf. He rose from the dead. All right? And now he remains a servant forever. This is the, this is the, the bond servant was, was an Old Testament picture of Jesus. The bond servant and Jesus is a servant. In Revelation, it talks about, now, in Revelation is John's revelation, and he talks about Jesus high and lifted up, you know, glorious. But it refers to Jesus in heaven with a golden girdle. See, a girdle is in the Bible is a symbol of service. Now, this flows right into my message today, because there's there's so many times. Well, let me say say this. Let me let me finish this thought. Jesus has right now in heaven a golden girdle around him, which is it's a picture of service. All right? Um, 
Jesus wants to serve you. In religion, the focus is on us serving God. Well, we need to serve God. We need to serve God. And certainly, don't, don't think that, okay, pastor's saying it's not important to serve God. No, we should do things for the Lord. We should work for God, okay? However, the focus should be letting him serve you. Amen? Because, see, too, too much, too much, what, what religion says, well, you got to serve God, serve God, serve God. And, and there's really, the, the, the emphasis is not on Jesus serving us. Jesus came to serve us. See, because a lot of people have a, a misconception of God. They have a wrong idea of God. They think it's all about us serving him. And certainly we're going to serve him, but we serve him as a response to him serving us. Okay, when Jesus, I encourage you to read the story when, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And what did he do? He girded himself with a towel. See, this is a symbol. And, and what did he do? He washed the disciples' feet. He was serving them. And, that, and him girding himself was a picture of service. It was a symbol of service. And don't have this, like a lot of religious folks do, this false humility, like Peter. Oh, Lord, you're never going to wash my feet. You're not going to serve me. He said, well, if you don't let me serve you, you don't have no part with me. See, Peter was displaying this false humility. He said, well, if that's the case, you know, Peter's always opening his mouth. He said, if that's the case, then wash me all over. Give me a bath, you know, wash my hands, my, my feet. Will you let Jesus, the question is, will you let him serve you? And that wasn't just for Peter. He's in heaven right now with a golden girdle. Where is that scripture? I think it's 1, Revelation 1 and 13. Thank you, Lord. And uh, while I'm looking at it, I'll just give you the reference. We're going to go to Luke chapter 10 today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yep. Talks about in verse 13, and in the midst of the lampstand, one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and a gold sash around his chest. If you look that word uh, up, sash in the Hebrew, it's a girdle. That's a picture of Jesus right now. Won't you let him serve you? Isn't that different from, from religious thinking? That, well, serve God, serve God, serve God. No. He wants to serve us. He wants to supply to you. And so we want to be, we want to be supply oriented. We, we, we want to have, and my objective today is to help you to have supply oriented thinking rather than demand oriented thinking. We all have demands, right? 
demands at work, demands from our, our children, uh, demands from our spouse, demands uh, from all different places. And it's easy to get in, in a, 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 a situation where you're, you're out of rest and you're just trying to fulfill all these demands in life. And you can get, how many of you know you can get overwhelmed? I want to help you today. There is supply for everything you need in life, but you got to lean into it. It's about leaning into Jesus and leaning into the supply. And see, sub, sub, the band-oriented thinking is this, all these things are demanded of me. Everybody's dependent on me. And you can get what? Self-centered. See, now, a lot of people wouldn't think of that as being self-centered. But you really self-focused. If you really want to tell the truth about it, self, it's, it's, a, it's a, can I say it? Self-righteousness. People depending on me. If I'm not there, if I don't do it, because can't nobody do it like me. And you can have this, this. see, demand-oriented thinking is these things are demanded of me. Supply-oriented thinking is this is supplied to me. And who's the, the supply from? Jesus. People think about financial needs and they... They, they think lack rather than thinking supply. Demand is a principle of the law. Grace, uh, a supply, is a, a principle of grace. How many of you know there's no lack of money? I said there's no lack of money. Because sometimes you think because you lack it that, that there's a lack. And God's not going to drop money. He's not going to reach over the balcony of heaven and drop you down a $100 bill. It's already in the earth. And there's all kind of money. There's, there's a world that exists, man, that, I mean, you wouldn't know about it if you, unless you were in it. In that particular world, um, my son recently brought me back uh, some uh, souvenirs from uh, Michael Jordan's golf course. A lot of people don't even know he has. He has a golf course of 75 members. Probably cost, he didn't know for sure, maybe a quarter of a million dollars to join it. But I want you to know this private club is much more than that. That's actually inexpensive for an exclusive Michael Jordan golf course. But Michael got so much money. I'm just telling you this. I'm not preaching on Michael Jordan. I'm just, this, my point is to show you that, that there is money on the earth, and there's a whole lot of it. And uh, imagine what we can do when the, when the body of Christ has abundance. We can do what we want. We don't have to beg nobody. We just go build what we want to build. 
to do things and, and uh, be able to uh, build churches and support missions and do all kind of stuff. So there's people out, out there that's going in remote areas that, that do ministry and starting Bible schools and underground churches in China and all kind of stuff going on. But there's a wealth transfer that, that is going to happen. The, the Bible says the wealth of the, of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Okay, Michael Jordan, back to him. He was a member of, of, a, of a golf club down in Florida, and he got tired of the rules. Because you had to wear a certain thing, and had to be quiet, and only so many people can be in your group. So what he did was, he's like, I'm going to start my own golf course. And a lot, not a lot of people don't know about it because there's no reason for him to promote it because it takes a whole lot of money to just join it. And a quarter million dollars is, is cheap. But you got to, and even that won't get you in because you have to be referred by a member. And before they'll even let you pay the fee, Mike, you have to play around, around with Michael and Michael's got to like you. <laughs> and you can't play unless you gamble. And he was a member of another club. He got tired of the rules, so he's like, I'm going to start my own club. He, he bought a bunch of property from some farmer out there. And there's, I mean, something that wasn't like right next to him, like right here, but like a little, little ways over another field or another piece of property that Tiger wanted to buy once he found out that Michael bought that. And, and then, and then uh, but Michael heard about it, and he bought that so Tiger wouldn't buy it. I said, there's no lack of money out there. And Al, Al brought me back a hat and a, a shirt because he, he played somebody in, you know, it's a favorite guy. He, he got to play it. And uh, amen. He <laughs> actually came back, came back to Fort Wayne in a private jet. But here's the thing. Michael was playing in a group in front of him, but wasn't close to Michael because you had to be, there had to be a hole in between. Michael didn't want anybody close to him. Don't know why, they, want, they gamble for a lot of money. They don't gamble for $100. So he don't allow himself to be distracted while he's on the golf course. Okay, and then back in, at, now, but those that are members, he kicks it with the members because he, he created a club just for people that he likes. And, and you know what? He could do it. Because he had the money to do it. And he, he relaxed all these rules. You could wear anything you want. Every cart's got a radio and a television. And there were 16 people in his group. <laughs> and every, oh, 16 people. There's not two to a cart. There's like one person in every, 16 golf carts. Wear whatever you want. Play the music. <laughs> and see, we run around here, we serving a big God, and we talking about lack and what we don't have and so forth. Don't be lack-oriented. Be supply-oriented. Thank you, Jesus. That's a good story. Now, as they went on their way, 
Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now they're at Martha's house. Next verse. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching. Everybody say, listen to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. What was Mary doing? Listening to his teaching. Faith comes by hearing and hearing about Jesus. Hearing the word about Jesus. Keep listening to the word. There's where your supply is right there. But Martha was what? This is a picture of a lot of people today. They are distracted. If you, if, if, if you permit me, I can't get to Bible class because I, I got something to do. See, we are going to have all these things to do, and I commend you for coming, coming here today. Some people are just, just distracted rather than taking the time to hear the word because, see, they, they, they don't see how that listening to the word can help their situation, how listening to the word can help their finances, how listening to the word can help uh, their, their body that's going through something, how listening to the word can restore their marriage. This is important. You know what a lot of people do is they, they think they know, they, they try to figure out, they think they have, have it figured out how God is going to work things out for them. If I just do this, this, and this, then God will do that. Don't get involved in, in, in God's part. You, the only part you have is to believe. Don't try, don't think you know how God is going to bring this thing to pass. You just trust him. Because there was some stuff to do in the house. How many of you know Jesus is coming to the house? What if Jesus came to your house? You want to, you know, get the ribs out and, you know, bring, bring your best, best meal and whatever. Mary knew all that, uh, of, uh, that there was stuff to do in the kitchen, but Mary, Mary like, bumped that. This is, the, this is what's important right here. Mary knew what Martha was doing in the kitchen. And Martha's up. How many of you know she's upset? She's distracted with, with all this serving. Mary was being served. Remember what I said about, about service. Jesus wants to serve you. I don't have all these opportunities for you to hear the word like Sunday and, and, and Wednesday. It's just... just because I don't have anything else to do. And guess what? I get the benefit of it because I'm there. And I'm ministering to you, but I'm also being ministered to. Man, I'm teaching. Sunday morning, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday night. And preparing myself, I went through, like I said, 25 to 30 hours worth of just um, training, just understanding Bible software. Why? So I can serve you up. You know, you feasting. We feasting right now. 
Huh? Now don't walk away here and the only, only thing you, you, you get out of this is Michael Jordan. I, I'm not talking about Michael Jordan. I'm talking about the supply is always there and there's no lack of anything. How is it we only have eight minutes left? Okay, watch this. She went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to come and help me. She's trying to tell Jesus what to do now. She thinks she has it figured out. She thinks she knows what's supposed to happen. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha was demand-oriented. See, if you're taking notes, i got some fill in the blanks. If you're looking on the app, let me, let me help you with these blanks. Um, I, I, actually, I already shared this, but let me go back over it. The principle of the law is demand. See, what, what does the law say? There's 613 laws. But let's look at the Big Ten. You shall not, you shall not, you shall not. Demand. You shall not. Thou shall not. Thou shall not kill. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not commit adultery. So the principle of the law is demand. The principle of grace is supply. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't finish that. Let me, let me let me just put a pin right here. Go back to the um, the, the the statute of the bond servant is mentioned right after the Ten Commandments were given, chapter 20 in Exodus, the Ten Commandments, it shows when the Ten Commandments were given in chapter 21, it shows the statute of the bondservant. So in chapter 20 is the law, chapter 21 is grace. It shows the law and grace right next to each other. And, and that, that was in there by design. Amen. God set that up. All right? So the principle of grace is supply. See, in, in, the, in the New Covenant, listen to the language of the New Covenant. And you can see this in Hebrews chapter 8. The law, the law says, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Grace says, I will, I will, I will. See, in the new covenant, the principle of the grace, principle of grace or the principle of the new covenant is supply. I will, I will. Notice this language. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declared the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and I will remember their sins no more. So I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. That's the principle of the new covenant. Supply. And the supply is always there. But see, when you're demand-oriented, you interpret everything as law. And you have demand-oriented thinking. Martha was demand-oriented. All this stuff is demanded of me. Well, I got, I got to get this dinner ready. 
but Mary was supply-oriented. Martha was busy, stressed, worried about serving the Lord. See? But God said that one thing is necessary. In verse 42, it says, one thing is necessary. Martha was worried about the many things because she didn't do the necessary thing. Mary looked to Jesus. Mary looked at Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. See him. So Mary looked at Jesus and his presence was to her as supply. Now watch this. The supply, you don't have nothing to do with it. Your bad actions can't stop it. There's nothing you can do to, the, to, to add to the supply because the supply is not based on your actions. Nothing you can do to add to it, nothing you can do to take away from it because all the supply is based on Jesus. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall, what, supply all your need, not according to your riches, not according to Michael Jordan's riches, but according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You getting something out of this? Again, law-oriented thinking is, this is demanded of me. Supply-oriented thinking is, this is supplied to me by the Lord. Supply is always with us. You can't see it with a natural eye. It takes faith. Galatians 3, 5 says, he, he that does miracles, he that does miracles, and it talks about the supply in Galatians chapter 3. He who does, or, or does he who supplies, supplies, it's right there in Hebrews 3, 5. He who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? See, so supply is always there. See, that word supply, he who supplies the spirit and does miracles, there's, there's a supply of the spirit. That word supply in, in the Greek is, is, is what's called present active participle, which means it's always happening. It's in a continuous present tense. So God is, is constantly supplying. Even when it looks like you have lack, God is supplying. But it takes faith to see it. John chapter 6, let's clo close with this here. What time is it? Thank you, Lord. All right. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the sea, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him 
because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand, lifting up his eyes, then seeing a, a large crowd uh, was coming toward him. Now Jesus could have got demand-oriented. And as I've been sharing, as we've been sharing the last three weeks, to see Jesus just showing one day in the life of Jesus. Jesus operated in rest all the time. Now, this is a, a big demand. You got a multitude of people, four or 5,000 people, or, or men, rather, including women and children. Could have been 10, 15,000 people out there. So, lifting up his eyes then and seeing a, a, a large crowd was coming to him, Jesus freaks out and says to Philip, no, oh, no, that's not in there. Jesus said... <laughs> How many of you know you can do that? What are we going to do with all these people? Um, he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Now, he said this to test him. For he, here's a, here's a key statement, for he himself knew what he would do. Even though you don't know how your situation or, or, or how your manifestation is going to come to pass, Jesus already knows what he's going to do about your situation. They didn't know, but he knew. Thank you, Lord. And when you don't know what to do, you can just tell the Lord, Lord, I don't know, but you know. Man, I, I, I'm going to dance on that one. Yeah, like, like yeah, I can't dance, but I can dance. I do my thing. <laughs> I don't know, Lord, but you know. I don't know, look, look, you know. Just say, you know. Thank you, Lord. He knew what he would do. But Philip said, watch what Philip's response was. 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. In other words, now look, look. Philip is looking at the little that they had. He's looking at limited funds, but he's in the presence of inexhaustible supply. And he's looking at the little, he's looking at the wrong thing. What is it? What, what is it? He's demand-oriented. He's looking, he's got a lack-oriented thinking. He's looking at, at, at limited resources. Don't look at your limited health. Oh, yeah, well, I'm too tired. I can't. I can't do all of this. No, the supply is there. The energy supply is there. Well, what about Andrew? One of his disciples, Andrew, he chimed in and said, Lord, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? Okay, they got a two-piece fish dinner 
Andrew looking at, he said, but yeah, we got, we got this two-piece fish dinner, but what is that among so many? So Philip looked at the little that they had. Andrew look at, is looking at the greatness of the need. Look at all these people. What's this going to do? But Jesus didn't condemn them. He just said, tell the people to sit down. I'm seeing a pattern here in the scriptures. Have, have, have y'all noticed that Jesus don't respond to silly stuff? He, he don't respond to stuff that, 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 don't, that don't have anything to do with his assignment. He doesn't let things distract him from what he wants to do. He doesn't entertain foolish talk. Don't let people distract you by saying off stuff to you and get you all off your game. Just keep looking at Jesus and learn to ignore things. Just tell people to sit down. He can spend all his time trying to explain, but you know what? They're going to figure it out once they see the manifestation. Because <laughs> he knew what he was going to do. And, and then, and then they're, oh, okay. <laughs> huh? And that's what your friends are going to have to say. When they don't understand what you're doing, what you're doing, they're all, okay. All right. I see you. Huh? Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to them who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they needed. Amen? No. As much as they wanted. See, God is not a God of just enough. He's a God of more than enough. They had stuff left over. Watch this, man. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So, uh, and when they, they ate as much as they wanted. Thousands of people, so they gathered up and filled the 12 baskets with fragments from the, uh, oh wait, I skipped the verse. And when they had eaten their fill, they, eat, they have eaten their fill. Man, glory be to God, man. Make me think of the Admiral's Feast. Think about going to the Red Lobster. Had you ever had the Admiral's Feast, man? Man, he crab and lobster tail and steak. Just have a feast, man. Just imagine you eating as much as you want. And look, thousands of people eating as much as they want. And after they have eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. They still have stuff left, man. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Learn to depend on the Lord. What does that mean? Your eyes see supply where others see demand. Say this. Let's, let's say this simple prayer. Lord, enlarge my capacity to receive. 
See, the supply is always there. He's constantly supplying. And the, 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 the more you talk about it, the more you receive. But you want to enlarge your capacity and think bigger. God is a big God. Because if my capacity is this cup, then that's all I can receive. If my capacity, if, if, if my mind is limited to, if I'm expecting cup-sized blessing, that's all I'm, I'm going to receive. You can limit God. I was blown away years ago. I know better now, but I was blown away. I thought the guy was lying to me. I was over a, a, a brother's house, and he had in his little fish tank, little small fish tank, he had a shark in there. I said, that ain't no shark. Because, see, I, I didn't understand that a shark can be in a fish tank. Because I thought he had to be out in the ocean. Because my, my thinking at that time, I'm like, well, what's happening when that thing grow up, man? You're going to come home, and you're going to have a your whole house going to be, the shark going to be looking at you, man. We'll be back there watching TV, smoking a cigarette, man, looking at you, taking over the house. But no, and then I, I learned that, that it can't grow beyond its capacity, with, with beyond its container. Now, you take that same shark out of that tank and put him in the ocean, he's going he's gonna to grow to his maximum size. So, so what's your container? I hear you. But that's, what, that's how you got to be in your thinking. You can't have a little cup size capacity because that's all you want to get is a cup. You start thinking abundance. Because we serve El Shaddai. He's unlimited in his resources. And the supplies, it's not just finances. Anything you need, is there. the supply is always there. It's always flowing. But you got to be tuned into it. I mean, if you had direct TV, I don't know, let's say, or Comcast, whatever. We got a Comcast rep in there, so we might well say Comcast. So, so if we got a Comcast, uh, if you got Comcast, you can sit there and stare at your television and, and not turn it on. And, um, or let's say you turn the TV on, but you don't have the right input. And you you at an input just for regular TV, but let's see if your television got an input for regular TV and an input for for your cable. If you if you're on the wrong input, you're not going to be able to receive. So if you're on the input of demand, you you can't receive because you you it's, it's no way that you can get. On an input of regular TV, you can't get com- you can't access Comcast because you you're not tuned into it. But see, so it's the same thing with with supply. You got to be tuned into s- supply. You can be tuned into demand. You're on the wrong input. So get on the input of supply, and then and then even when you're in that input of supply, you can still think, well, he can only supply this cup size. But no, when you think of God as an unlimited God, there, there's nothing too big for God. There's no, your situation you're dealing with, is there's nothing impossible with God. God can turn your situation around just like that. But you got to get on the right wavelength. Got it?
Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.